This is the MLB Extras Nationals podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our Nationals reporter, Jamal Collier. Jamal, we will wrap up our positional previews this week on the podcast. We're going to talk about the outfield. And we waited until the end to talk about the outfield, assuming that we would have an answer as far as Bryce Harper goes. Would he be part of the outfield or not? Well, we don't have an answer. So we'll look at it kind of both ways. We'll go through the current outfield and we'll say what could happen if Bryce Harper does end up returning. Before we get to that, though, a little bit of news on this Thursday as the Nationals have come to an agreement on a one-year deal with Jeremy Hellickson. It's a $1.3 million deal. It could go up to as much as $4 million with performance bonuses based on, for the most part, the number of games that he could start during the season. He will be in competition for that fifth starter job. You would think he probably has the inside track on it. A year ago, Hellickson was 5-3 and three with a 3-4-5 ERA in 19 starts for the Nationals. We weren't sure if they were done or not as far as the pitching goes, and here is one more addition to that now stacked starting rotation. You know, the Nationals' starting pitching depth was probably the biggest hole still in this team heading into spring training. Uh, so I really like this move for the Nats to kind of just add another arm into their back end of the, the rotation. Helton was really good for them last year. They remember they sent him to a minor league deal right before the end of spring training to come in and compete with A.J. Cole for that fifth starter spot. Hellickson took over in late April, pitched pretty well, 19 starts. He had a couple of injuries in there, um, had a 3-4 ERA, and they really kind of limited and maximized his, you know, to, to try to best use him and maximize his potential. Didn't really let him face lineups a second or third time, a third time through the order. Usually, you know, he only went into the seventh inning once. I think that that's, you know, they felt they could use him in that kind of short st- uh, spurt and, and let him be a really effective pitcher. So I think adding him to the mix along with Joe Ross, along with Eric Fetty, uh, just makes this rotation deeper. And we know it takes seven or eight pitchers to get through an entire season anyway. So I like the move for, you know, adding Hellison to the mix here for the Nats. I would say that, you know, they're going to probably you know, market this as an open competition going into spring training. And I think uh, it will be somewhat open, but I think Helton is definitely going to be the favorite uh, heading into West Palm Beach as pitchers and catchers get ready to report in about a week here. As we get into the outfield, a little bit of news on that front for the Nationals. They won the arbitration case with Michael A. Taylor. He'll get $3.25 million. He had actually put in for $3.5 million, but the team wins. I guess my question on that, Jamal, is are you surprised with the difference being that close, $250,000, that this even went to trial? Uh, yes, been very surprised actually. Um, you know, the Nationals have not taken anybody to trial before this uh, since 2015, and I think that you know they generally just kind of avoid in any way possible to, to try to not go to these arbitration cases. You know, we, you know they're just and sometimes just kind of awkward situations when you have a team kind of against player and, and such. And, and a guy like Michael Taylor, um, especially a guy that the Nats you know have some investment still in his future. You know, even after last year was, was you know, pretty much a down a, a setback for him, kind of coming off of was a breakout 2017 in that postseason when he hit the Grand Slam uh, in Wrigley Field. I really thought that he was kind of ready to take, a, a, you know, another step and really prove himself as an outfield of, you know, as a staple of their outfield. Um, and he couldn't find his way onto the field, you know, late in the season. Part of that is he just has, you know, kind of more talented outfielders, you know, ahead of him. Maybe Juan Soto, Victor Robles, and, and, and was Bryce Harper. But, you know, even on this team now, it's, you know, they didn't entertain trading him very much this offseason because they still feel like he's going to have kind of a vital role as the fourth outfielder here. You know, you've got potentially Victor, we'll talk about these guys obviously later, but Victor Robles is still uh, a prospect and has a lot of hype, but it's still unproven. And Adam Eaton has, you know, not really played a full season since 2016. 
So, you know, there's there's a, a lot of uncertainty just in that. I think that they, they like having Michael Taylor on the roster just to have that kind of insurance. But you know, they also really want him to 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 kind of re- take a huge step forward from what he, what he did last year when they, you know, some of the, the kind of old worries about Michael Taylor and striking out too much and kind of swinging and missing too much kind of all rolls up again. So, you know, he's a, he's a very complicated player uh, and a complicated relationship here. This is you know, not a not a, a pretty important year for him in his career because he's had another year like last year. Um, I don't think his future in Washington is going to last that much longer. Is he sort of the clear cut fourth outfielder when you look at this roster? Yeah, and I, and I think that you know they really are going to probably see him as some kind of like three, you know, three B basically. Um, that you know, Adam Eaton is, is a guy who they're going to probably want to give his days off and make sure that he's not. Being over, you know, not overexerting Adam Eaton, and again, like I said, with Robles, um, like I see, especially early on, you know, they they may try to to, to somewhat split their playing time, or at least get Michael on the field enough. Um, I think he's a pretty clear cut fourth, uh, especially because on defense they just they like what he can do so much that you know they, they really believe that it's a guy who's who's a goal glove caliber center fielder, and, and the numbers back that up. I mean, he's really really good and plus on defense, so they're going to try to get him on the field and get him on the outfield as, as at any time possible um, to kind of make that a, a strength late in game. So yeah, I think he's he's got a pretty clear cut edge on that, and and they think that you know they still feel relatively confident that. If somebody had to get hurt and they had to plug him in every day to start, I think they feel pretty good about running him out there. All right, let's move on to the uh, the starters, I guess we'll call them. And let's start with Adam Eaton because Eaton, you just mentioned him. Uh, he has played 118 games total over the last two seasons. Not what you're looking for. Um, obviously, he was a big addition to this team when they went out and traded for him. Um, what's the, you know, is there a plan other than giving him a few extra days off to, to keep this guy healthy? I mean, weird injuries, kind of fluke injuries, and he just hasn't been able to, to really be on the field for this Nationals team, which in some ways long-term maybe benefited the organization a year ago because it helped allow Juan Soto to come up and, and start doing what he's doing. But um, with Bryce Harper possibly gone, they need Adam Eaton to, to be himself this year. A hundred percent, and especially when you think about just what they gave up for Eaton a couple of years ago, um, you know they really just have not that that trade just oddly kind of not worked out for either side the way they wanted to. And I think you know for the Nationals, they look at Eaton and they look and they see uh, you know they, they, obviously the ACL was was a somewhat of a fluke thing, and basically all the injuries that he dealt with in the first half last year uh, were in some ways a byproduct still of the ACL. He still had some. Uh, you know, just some, some some stuff that he was just not right, not 100% with, and especially in his ankle, um, that, you know, got worse as he continued to try to play and, and go through off the knee. You know, they felt toward the end of last year that Eden finished up so strongly and had a, you know, normal, full, healthy offseason. He was in West Palm Beach, you know, like on like January, like 13th. He's always there way early. So I think that they feel that, you know, those issues are all stem from that knee surgery. They finally got everything cleaned up. And, they, and I think that they think that now he should be healthy, it should be full go. Um, you know, it's a bit of a, a gamble. And I think that there is going to be times where just the stress of playing every day, back-to-backs, whatever, he's going to need a day off or, or you know, he's not going to play three out of four or whatever it might be. Um, you know, and they'll try to manage that as it goes along and, and kind of have, listen, and that's why Michael Taylor is such an important player for them. And what reason they kind of really value him on the roster right now is because they know that they're going to have to, you know, they're not looking for 150 games out of Eaton. They're probably looking for something closer to 120, 130. Um, but regardless, they really want to get the player that's closer to what they had or what they thought they were trading for a 
couple of years ago, and this is a pretty big year to say, is he going to be able to kind of bounce back to that and put those injuries behind him? Or will that, you know, the after effects of that surgery kind of leave him compromised for years to come? Yeah, we will find out. And speaking of injuries, Victor Robles had similar troubles in 2018, um, kind of a it was a tough one in the minor leagues when he was getting ready to be ready to get to the big leagues. I uh, had a great spring training, was really knocking on the door and the freak injury in the outfield when he was diving for a baseball. He ended up missing a lot of time, did make it up to the big leagues, uh, 21 games. He had 288, three homers, 10 RBIs. Um, seems like he's locked in to be that center fielder. Is there anything that can keep him from from being the opening day center fielder other than an injury? I think they're finally ready to see what Victor Robles has. You know, we, we, he's been two September call-ups. And remember a couple of years ago, he played so well that he earned himself onto the playoff roster uh, when they didn't really expect it. And then last year, he, he showed flashes as well. But, you know, again, couldn't really. He was kind of splitting time out there in the outfield between him and Taylor and Eden and Bryce. And they were kind of trying to figure, figure out a way to get all those guys on the field. You know, I think that uh, they are committed to seeing, to, to starting Victor Robles. I think he's ready. I think that, you know, he was ready last year, and obviously the injury is the only reason that he really didn't get a chance to show himself in D.C. last year. So I think that they're pretty committed. I mean, you, you, you know, the last couple of years of trade rumors and, and every kind of, uh, you know, every everybody kind of sought after Robles and all these deals, and they have not – they held on to him, and they kind of – have been kind of waiting for this moment to say that this, they think this guy is going to be a, a, a staple in their outfield for kind of years to come, and I think – you know, they're finally ready to kind of get him in the reins, get some control of it. I think it's, it's one of the, going to be one of the most exciting things about this team is to see exactly how, how Robles fits and, and, and what is it. And Robles end up you know, moving to the top of the order up there with Trey and, and, and Adam Eaton. You know, will he become a middle of the order bat? I think that his power could potentially do that. You know, they're going to kind of slide him somewhere down in the, the bottom of the lineup to help turn over as like a second leadoff man. Um, there's just a lot of uh, different possibilities, and it'll depend on exactly how good Robles is and how fast um, how good you know how good he is and how fast and how quickly that comes. Um, you know, it just it's going to be really exciting to watch. And I think that you know, it's kind of like, you know, wrote a story about his being the prospect to watch in, in camp because I think that just you know he's going to be one of the more fascinating players on this team to finally see the chance for him to get 400, 500 at bats and play every day in center field and just see exactly what kind of player he, he has. And they feel pretty confident, you know, that kind of they got another another freak of the year candidate here one year after Juan Soto almost won the thing. Yeah, and he's only, he's been really a staple in the MLB Pipeline top ten prospects list for for a couple of years because the injuries hung on and stayed on that list. And time to go from prospect to to player in the big leagues. All right, you mentioned Juan Soto. Let's get to him. Uh, One hundred sixteen games in the big leagues in a season that started in a ball and he skyrocketed through the minor leagues and thanks to some injuries got the call up and never looked back 292 22 homers 70 rbis you mentioned second in the rookie of the year voting and really i would think nine out of any 10 years he wins rookie of the year but ronald acuna jr it, it was just special and ended up winning it as well but soto did all of that and he was just 19 years old so that said People talk about sophomore slumps and, and things like that. Um, are there any concerns that Soto could take a step back in 2019? No. I mean, that's kind of the, the most fascinating thing about him. I mean, he was so good last year, and, and I wrote about this at times and I talked about it before, that the thing that impressed me the most about Juan Soto is that every time it felt like he started off so hot, he started off so well, you thought, okay, Eventually, he's got to come back to earth, right? Eventually, he or, or just not even just that. Eventually, he'll have a, a, a week where he goes one for you know thir- thir- 
13 or, or just, you know, maybe even worse than that. You know, he just has a, a week where he hits, you know, 188 or, or whatever it is. And it really didn't happen. I mean, he, he would have stretches maybe of, of two or three games or where he'd go 0 for 11 or 1 for 13. I think it was one day in Philly or two games in Philly where, you know, he went like a combined 0 for 13. And then he would make an adjustment. The next day he'd come back and he'd go three for three and he'd hit a homer to the opposite field or he'd walk twice or he'd it just looked like, the, it looked like he just figured it out. Like they, every time it seemed that other pitchers had had done something to, to kind of you know get on top of Soto, uh, he just he corrected it and it was back to normal and you know with ten at bats. And it was just one of the most impressive things that you know outside of maybe Daniel Murphy when he was on his really hot run probably in, in 2016 when he finished second in the MVP, um, I hadn't seen anything like it. And I think it was just, it was, you know, incredibly impressive. And, and um, you know, that is something that gives them confidence that this guy is not going to hit a wall. They're going to make adjustments. You know, they, they, at the end of the year, they stopped throwing in fastballs essentially. And uh, you, you got a, a whole lot of off-speed pitches that will probably even become more and more this year. The teams are going to try to get him and attack him outside the zone and try to get him to chase. Um, and just how Peyton is, is going to be similar almost to Bryce Harper, you know, this Harry you're 20 years old, how long can you just stay patient? You know, you're going to eventually get frustrated with walking every time and, or, and, and kind of, uh, or you're going to start expanding your strike zone. And I think that so far he's shown no willingness to do that. I think it's just going to be fascinating to see exactly, you know, what he could do for an encore. Because, you know, one of the reasons that, I don't see they were, one of the reasons that they they feel they felt they could live, whether or not Bryce Harper was back or not, was how good Juan Soto was this fast. And if that season doesn't happen last year, I think maybe there's more of an urgency of the Nats because then you have now two unknowns in your outfield. And Watson probably wouldn't even be ready to, to come up at this point. They'd, have, they'd probably have to have found an outfielder this offseason. You know, if uh, Watson doesn't do what he does, once he comes up, he's that good that quickly. Now, all of a sudden, you can envision a world without Bryce a lot more easier. Yeah, that was the vision when they thought about the fact that he had to leave. Is they're set up pretty good. There will be a little more pressure on Juan Soto for sure. All right, how about other depth? Is If they have to go one more deep, is it Howie Kendrick, who can also play the infield, obviously? Yeah, and that's, you know, on this team, they've got some guys who can go out in a pinch to play some corner outfield. You know, Howie Kendrick is a guy who, who you know, is, an outfield, is an outfield, and he will – um, probably get a chance to play left field at, you know, at some point. Um, same with uh, Matt Adams. They got put out in left field before. They, they would prefer to stay away from that, but um, it's you know it's, it's, if, if they need to, they can do that. Um, you're talking about injury, you know, fifth, sixth in the depth chart. It's a bit of a, a bit of a drop off. Excuse me. Uh, that uh, I think Andrew Stevenson uh, is probably the, the fifth outfielder, and he, he's he's shown some flashes at times of um, you know kind of being a helpful player, especially on defense, he can run the bases, and I think that you know they. Probably don't want to get into a position where they have to start him at any kind of extended stretch, but if they have to use him as the fourth outfielder for a bit, I think they're willing to live with that. Uh, but, you know, I feel, again, it is just probably their deepest position in, you know, both in the majors right now and just in the whole organization because they can have some guys who can kind of plug in holes if guys get hurt. But, you know, they're going to be counting a lot on their, their kind of two, the young studs, if they can roll us and Juan Soto to kind of really be productive and be good. Uh, I think it's a, a you know, pretty safe bet. All right, so all of that said, what happens if Bryce Harper decides, you know what, I really love my time in D.C. That contract you offer me, I'll take it. Um, what does that mean? for? Obviously, he goes into the starting lineup, but then who's the odd man out? Because you look at Eden, Robles, and Soto. I don't know. Obviously, Soto's not going anywhere. So has it become a time point where, where there's guys rotating? 
Yeah, I think that that's it's kind of the thing is that, yeah, they're set up really, really well at outfield. And they also could then add one of the you know best outfielders in, in baseball. And I think that it's, it's, it's on one hand, a, a really good problem to have and, and something that I feel like they, they've thought about and said, we'll figure it out when we get there. Um, you know, if and, if and when they never get there. But, yeah, it would be a, a, a bit of a quandary. I mean, you're talking about having five outfielders that are probably majorly capable right now. Um, you know, they're going to try to trade one of them. And I think that uh, he said Soto's not going anywhere. This is not going to happen. Uh, I, I am pretty sure they're not going to trade Robles. I mean, they have basically no one is untouchable and, and they, they, you know, not floated the idea. They haven't gotten to the what if game. If we sign Bryce, we, we want to you know, trade him. But, you know, I'll pretty much look at it like this. One, they haven't traded Robles yet. And you think about the guys that, you know, have been in rumors for him in the last couple of years. That'd be Chris Sale. They almost traded him for. They almost traded him in the Real Muto trade. Um, you know, just the, the kind of the names that he's been rumored in. There's probably not a guy out there in the trade market that's as good as those guys. And they haven't. And they didn't pick, pull the trigger on a robust trade for any for any of the Chris Sales and Real Mutos. I just can't see them all of a sudden doing it for for you know. A Madison Bumgarner coming off an injury or whatever, um, so I think that you know Robles is also relatively safe because I'm not sure, and also I'm not sure what the need they have that's strong enough to trade Robles for. You're not trading Robles for pitching depth or whatever. You're probably trading him for a very, very good player. Um, so I think Eden is the guy that is most likely to trade. He's also most difficult to trade because his value has probably never been. You know, he's a bit of a the nadar of his value is coming off injuries. He's um, not been as 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 he's productive on the field when he has played. He's been pretty good, but not the player that they got you know a couple of years ago. So um, I think you know they probably have to trade Eden on some kind of diminished return. It probably you know, be more likely to trade Taylor. Um, but until then, yeah, I think you're looking at something similar to last year where they're trying to rotate these guys in um, and try to make Eden a fourth outfielder. It was just kind of tough because coming off those knee injuries, he just doesn't get ready more. So it, it, it's going to be a bit of a problem <laughs> to try to fit these guys in on the same roster. And that's why I just think that they'll have to tr- probably trade one. And I think that, you know, Eden is, is probably the most likely candidate that, you know, they're going to find a way to get him out of town if they do, if and when, if they ever get Bryce back. Yeah, and we will find out sooner <laughs> yeah. or later. Man, spring training <laughs> is coming up quick. Pitchers and catchers reporting in about well, a little over a week or about a week and still no home for Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. That's going to do it for, for this edition of the podcast. You can find Jamal at on edit there. You can find Jamal on Twitter at Jamal. One more time. Sorry, Jamal. Whew. You can find Jamal on Twitter at Jamal Collier. I'm there at MOB underscore McMaster. This podcast, all of our MOB Extras Club podcasts are at MOB.com backslash podcast on Apple Podcasts and also on Google Play. That'll do it for this edition of the Nationals Pod. For Jamal Collier, I'm Tim McMaster. Thank you for listening.